0: Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashen. Thank you for tuning in today. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Be sure to visit our website, b'nai B'rith.org, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. In February of this year, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo appointed Ilan Carr as the U.S. Special Envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism. Ilan Carr is here today to discuss his vital work as a Special Envoy, his top priorities, his day-to-day work, and the role of other countries in addressing anti-Semitism globally. Prior to his appointment as the Special Envoy, Carr served in Iraq in the United States military and as a prosecutor in the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. Elon. thank you for joining us today.
1: Dan, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for your truly remarkable leadership uh, in the Jewish world and really for uh, all the causes that, uh, that uh, we all uh, hold so dear and that are so important for, for our country and really for a better world.
0: Thank you. Before we talk about the subject, let's talk about you. You have uh, come from a family with a very interesting Jewish background, and tell us how it has informed uh, your life in Jewish affairs.
1: Well, certainly, you know, my mother uh, was a, a refugee uh, who fled persecution and anti-Semitism. So, really, Dan, the fight against anti-Semitism is, has been uh, has been uh, is seared into my uh, my family's collective. Uh, Uh, conscience and and really in my uh, in my uh, passions Uh, my mother was a young girl in Iraq and uh, and one morning early morning there was a knock at the door her father my grandfather still had shaving cream on his face and he answered the door and it was soldiers and they took him away and uh, this was in uh, 1948 uh, right after Israel's declaration of statehood Iraq was one of the the many sadly countries that declared war on this fledgling Jewish state and so Jews were rounded up wholesale, including my grandfather, who was then paraded through the, through the streets in leg irons like a slave, with people jeering in an awful sight, uh, which my mother had to witness. And then he was put in prison. My mother visited him in prison together with my grandmother and my uncle, until finally my grandfather said, Don't wait for us, flee, leave. And so absent my grandfather, the rest of my family, my grandmother, my mother, who was a young girl, my uncle, who was at that time a toddler, fled across the border to Iran, a very different Iran than today, of course. The Shah was giving Jews asylum and, uh, and escaped the, the persecution that afflicted them. And then from there, they, they moved to Israel, where most of my family is today. That story has been emblazoned on our collective memory. And the, the idea that, that uh, Jews would be rounded up and thrown in prison uh, be, because of who they are, um, whether it's dressed up as... As uh, anti-Zionism, or or focused on on Jews in terms of their own Jewish identity, is of no matter. In this case, clearly, again, a Jew is imprisoned for being Jewish, and uh, and that's something that is um, that all of us have to join forces in guarding against. We've got to we've got to do everything we can, spare uh, spare no effort in in fighting this great pathology, this ancient evil that recurs generation after generation in all parts of the world, the world's oldest hatred, as it is called. And that that is one small story out of many, many, many Jewish stories
0: that that remind us of the urgency of this fight. Tell us about uh, your role as anti-Semitism envoy. It's it's the world.
1: It is. It is the world. Sadly, you
0: have now this... A perfect storm from the left, the right, uh, the Islamists. Uh, where do you Where do you start?
1: Well, that's right. And anti-Semitism is increasing throughout the world in every region, and um, and from every uh, part of the ideological spectrum. And and that's why I'm I'm uh, so honored to be doing this, to represent the United States of America in this capacity, and to be charged with with protecting the Jewish people throughout the world and fighting what is really a, a, a disastrous hatred, disastrous not only for Jews, but you know, President Trump calls anti-Semitism a vile poison. Every time he speaks of it, he uses that term, it's a vile poison. It is exactly that because the history of this ancient evil is that every society that has embraced it, that has imbibed this poison, has been destroyed. And so, one can say, really, that anti-Semitism is human history's greatest barometer of suffering and misery. And it's first the Jews, but never only the Jews. And, uh, and certainly, that lesson doesn't need to be taught in Europe, uh, where anti-Semitism left a trail of wreckage. Uh, so, um, this really is, is the fight of our generation, and not just, again, for Jews. But how remarkable is it that the most powerful country in the history of the world has created, by law and by design, an office dedicated to fighting for the Jewish people. Um, that's just a tremendous statement about the values of the United States, and I couldn't be prouder in carrying the banner of this fight for our country, for the United States throughout the world. Now, you mentioned antisemitism is coming from different sources. It's exactly right. There are three disparate sources for antisemitism. The ethnic supremacist right, the Israel-hating radical left, and militant Islam. The amazing thing about that is that these are three disparate sources that should hate each other more than they hate anything else on earth. And yet, they're united in their focused, pathological hatred of the Jewish people, and I would argue also united in the the fundamental incompatibility of their values with everything on which the United States and many Western societies that are free and pluralistic and tolerant are based. And that's really why this fight is so important. You've got the ethnic supremacist far right, the Israel-hating radical left, and militant Islam. And uh, our uh, focus is very clear. We do not ignore any part of of this anti-Semitic spectrum. They're all dangerous, they're all important, and they all have to be dealt with what we're seeing often is the weaponization of anti-semitism, where one or another camp says, well, it's it's all a problem there, and it's not a problem here. And that really is very destructive, because ultimately, for us to prevail, we have to be clear-eyed that, really, these are three disparate sources that are united in their Jew hatred. We've got to confront all of it everywhere in the world and not ignore any part of the sources of anti-semitism.
0: We uh, have an office of the Special Envoy. It's a- created as a result of an act of Congress. Um, we're fortunate that this position exists here. What do you find in countries abroad? I know there are a few countries that have tasked uh, some of their diplomats with following this phenomenon. Are you finding that, that more countries now are agreeing to take this much more seriously by, by appointing uh, envoys?
1: Well, first of all, yes, Dan, we are fortunate. And how amazing is it that the most powerful country in the history of the world, and the most philo-Semitic, by the way, and that's not a coincidence, I would argue, but the most powerful country in history has created by law and design an office dedicated to protecting the Jewish people throughout the world. That is a tremendous fact, and I think we really have to acknowledge how, how special this country is. Thanks to our leadership, other countries are following. And uh, you see it all over. You see sort of dual hat tasking and, and diplomats assigned to follow this, but you also have a number of countries that have appointed anti-Semitism coordinators with real authority to uh, to monitor this and work with law enforcement internally and deal with you know internet hate and all of the you know all of the many manifestations of of Jew hatred. Um, in fact, um, some countries have gone farther than we. Let's take an example. Germany not only has a federal anti-Semitism coordinator, but they have pushed it down to the state level. So there's an anti-Semitism coordinator for Bavaria and for Baden-Württemberg and for and, and I have the great privilege when I go overseas of meeting with with these leaders and and they're doing excellent work. And that's something that that I've brought back here. And now we're looking at how to sort of expand the the anti the, the, the coordination internally in the United States of the fight against anti-Semitism. Uh, Theresa May, Prime Minister May, in, in her last act before she left office, appointed a a dedicated anti-Semitism coordinator for the United Kingdom. Before it was it was done by very ably by by a Lord who who uh, dealt with Holocaust issues and anti-Semitism. Now they've separated it. Now they, they have a Holocaust uh, person who's in charge of Holocaust issues and and a, and uh, a, a member of Parliament who's who's. Um, in charge of Britain's response against anti-Semitism. So really there's a lot of very good developments in the world where countries uh, appreciate and acknowledge that this is an urgent problem, that it's rising, and that is, it is unacceptable. And, uh, and so I have the great benefit of, uh, of working with, with friends and allies who, who get it and are fighting the
0: fight. Now I want to ask you about your top priorities, because the world is your oyster, as it, as it were. Uh, Where do you where do you begin? But I want to start by asking you about the what's called the IRA working definition of anti-Semitism, which comes from the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, which is a group of countries. Uh, that have gathered together, countries that have Holocaust education programs, remembrance programs, it's, it's, uh, you have to apply to get in. Um, and there's a working definition which now is, is, is making the rounds and which is being adopted, uh, it seems, uh, in a serious way in some places. I'm just gonna read a short paragraph. It says, anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed toward Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property, toward Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. It's a, it's a broad definition, but it's a start. We never had a definition before. How do you look at that and uh, its application in country A, country B, country C, um, and is this just kind of a base level from which we work or is this enough?
1: So I think the real power of the IRA definition is in the examples that follow the paragraph you read. Because, you know, that is, of course, as you said, very broad, very general, and and difficult to uh, to digest in terms of specifics. But following that paragraph, there are a number of examples that, that really are a part of the definition. and And, you know, set forth such things as as applying double standards to the state of Israel, uh, comparing Israel to uh, to Nazi Germany, um, you know, uh, denying the Jewish people' uh, right to self-determination, um, claiming that the state of Israel is a racist endeavor. I mention that not, the exclu- not to exclude <clears throat> classic, you know, ethnic supremacist manifestations of anti-Semitism you know, hating Jews, claiming Jews are are ethnically superior uh, or religiously defective, right? But I read those examples because it is very, very important to acknowledge that, unlike the anti-Semitism of the far right, this anti-Israel, anti-Zionist brand of anti-Semitism is often downplayed and is often not acknowledged to be true anti-Semitism. I think the importance of the IRA definition is that it makes very clear that whether it's from the right or from the left or from militant Islam, uh, Jew hatred is Jew hatred. And hating the Jewish state is hating the Jewish people. And and this definition de- definition makes that clear. Now, you asked if it's enough. I think it's been a game-changer because even though it's not legally binding, this is not a criminal code, it orients countries in understanding what they're fighting. You can't know what you're fighting unless you define it. And to define anti-Semitism in all its forms, in all its manifestations, is incredibly important and really has has worked a deep change in the way countries look at anti-Semitism and confront it.
0: The Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions movement, the BDS movement, in in my view, has been a a sleight-of-hand operation uh, by talking about uh, just criticism of Israel. uh, We're not uh, anti-Semitic. In the last 18 months, I think increasingly, I'm, I'm using 18 months as kind of a benchmark, uh, more and more international leaders have acknowledged that BDS is anti-Semitism. We have a statement by uh, President Macron of, of France and a statement by Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada. Um, talk about BDS and how that works into 21st century uh, anti-Semitism.
1: Right. Well, when you think about it, BDS is, is nothing new. I mean, economic boycotts of Jews, boy, that's been like one of, the, one of the pillars of traditional anti-Semitism all throughout history. The German Bundestag recently voted that BDS is anti-Semitism, and they said more than that. They said not only is it anti-Semitism, but it's reminiscent of the Juden boycotts of the 1930s. I think that's very, very powerful, and for Germany, where we saw those boycotts in the 1930s, you know, those those awful pictures of brown shirts holding up signs, you know, Kauft nicht bei Juden, which is so, so familiar to so many of us. Um, for the German Bundestag to say, BDS is just a, a repackaging of that. Well, it is. I mean, BDS basically says, don't buy from the Jews. Namely, don't buy from the Jewish state or from some part of the Jewish state. Now, again, is criticism of Israel uh, uh, you know, appropriate, of course. And the IRA definition, by the way, specifically says Israel can be criticized. It's not anti-Semitic to criticize Israel. But if there is a a pathological focus on Israel, a branding of Israel, uh, you know, the use of modern-day blood libels against the Jewish state, or the application of double standards where some behavior imagined or real of Israel, which maybe we can take issue with, is is highlighted in such a way where everything else in the world is ignored that is by definition anti-semitism and that's why the ira definition has been such a game changer
0: so let's get back to your priorities looking ahead with with so much left right islamist where do you begin what are your objectives let's say going forward over the next six months where are you looking Uh, to combat this phenomenon.
1: Right, so uh, anti-Semitism is an attitude, it's a worldview, right? And we definitely wanna change that. But we are focusing uh, critically on the manifestations of anti-Semitism because it's those manifestations that affect the lives of Jews day to day. So first of all is safety. I think, Dan, that 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 is address number one here because if a community can't feel safe, If you can't leave the house and know that you're going to come back in one piece or or send your kids to school and know that they're safe, there is no quality of life. It is intolerable to live in such a place. In countries especially where Jews are being attacked on the streets, and there are no shortage of examples of that, protecting Jewish assets and making sure that Jews are safe and protected is job number one. Second of all is textbooks. I think this is particularly important because where you have a country that is indoctrinating Jew hatred in children, in children, and this is still going on. I'm not talking about Iran. I'm talking about some countries that are allies of the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is really, well, first of all, it's child abuse. But second of all, it is such an urgent challenge because if we don't stop that, you're talking about an entire generation of people raised on Jew hatred. And that is so hard to undo. That, That damage is so difficult to fix. So where there are textbooks that that inculcate hatred of Jews, that is a big, big focus of ours. So you've got safety, safety of communities. You've got textbooks. Third of all, one of the leading vectors of this disease today is the internet and the the social networks. Um, Obviously, social networks and the internet do a lot of good, but they also can carry this disease. They don't cause the disease, but they carry it. And so we've got to look at the, the, the boiling over of, of hatred on social media, which is uh, just, uh, uh, it's despicable, and it actually leads to physical attacks, as we've seen tragically, uh, Pittsburgh and Poe and, and attacks, incidentally, not only on Jews, and we see that as well. And so the internet is, is a key focus. But before you can even do all of that, you've got to lay down the law. And so focus of ours has been to make sure that, that clear lines are understood in terms of the definition of anti-Semitism and in terms of our sort of modus operandi. When Secretary Pompeo, my boss, who could not be a better champion of this issue, stood before 18,000 activists at the APAC Policy Conference and he said, let me go on the record, anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Um, that is the policy of the United States. And so, so part of this whole fight is to, is to carry the message to every capital and to every campus. As you know, Dan, the campuses are, are a source of a lot of problems, to carry this message forward to make sure that everyone understands what anti-Semitism is and what the stakes are and the enormous costs can be
0: if we don't fight it. You mentioned uh, the Tree of Life Synagogue and uh, the Chabad Synagogue in Poway. I think it's important to mention that your, your mandate is for everything outside the United States. But you did speak uh, at a Justice Department uh, summit on anti-Semitism, uh, which I attended, B'nai B'rith was present, uh, a few weeks ago here in Washington. And I, I think it's important to, to note the, the commitment um, locally or, or here, domestically, here in the United States, um, and I would also add, because uh, we're talking about the State Department, we work very closely, for example, with the Office of Holocaust Issues at State, which deals with Holocaust restitution issues, Holocaust-era assets restitution issues for survivors and their families. So there are a lot of, a lot of moving parts and very important moving parts uh, to this, and uh, we, uh, we seriously uh, welcome the opportunity uh, to work uh, with our partners uh, in the government uh, in uh, combating these these issues.
1: Well, let me just say that n- not only do you welcome that, but but we certainly do. And uh, you know, B'nai B'rith has been such an incredible partner uh, of mine and of our office, but also of the uh, the office of, of Holocaust issues. And and so I can't thank you enough for for the great leadership you bring to these
0: issues. Thank you. Our guest has been Ilan Carr, who is the Special Envoy on Monitoring and Combating Anti-Semitism. Ilan, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Please visit our website, benebrith.org, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly... Tell a friend about us. For my guest, Ilan Carr, I'm Dan Mary Ashen. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast.